The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2339. It is official. It has happened. The worst kept secret for season two of The Mandalorian has been revealed. And we're going to talk about it in this Mandalorian briefing on chapter 13 entitled The Jedi. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So there is a lot to unpack (laughs) from this episode of The Mandalorian and we're probably going to have to unpack it over the course of a couple of episodes because this is major, it is some major stuff, but... As I said at the top, we are talking about The Jedi, which is Season 2, Episode 5, or, if you prefer, Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian, written and directed by Dave Filoni himself. And we do find ourselves heading to the planet Corvus, as directed by Bo-Katan, in the third episode of the season. And when he gets there, he finds that the forest planet is trashed and burned, and it is in awful shape. Bo-Katan apparently knew that Ahsoka was heading there, but I guess when we saw that exchange in the episode, the heiress, that was episode 3, right? Chapter 11. It kind of made it sound like that's where she had taken up residence, basically. But that appears not to be the case as we discover the planet and as we discover the events happening and unfolding on the planet Corvus and in and around that city. And as the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda emerge from a squeaky clean (laughs) looking razor crest, we see animals off in the distance, giant shadowy animals. And so here again, we're continuing with the theme of some very large animals showing up in various episodes of The Mandalorian, but this time we have nothing to do with them. And instead, we are centered action-wise around this walled city and the fact that Ahsoka Tano is actually staging some sort of attack on the city for some reason or another that we don't yet know. All we know at the beginning of the episode is that there's a magistrate and a captain of the guard. The captain of the guard turns out to be Michael Bean. So here is the casting of Michael Bean that was rumored in the Hollywood trades well before the season came out. But as to what his deal was, well, he's a guy named Lang. And apparently he is some sort of mercenary military person for hire. Not that that does him any good in the final analysis. And yes, I'm just dropping the mention of Ahsoka Tano. So Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano has happened. It is official. And oh goodness. Well, you know, it's it's strange. It's so strange to not have it be related to Ashley Eckstein somehow. And uh, yeah, that's a, a really kind of unusual experience, but also pairing with the notion that Ahsoka's character would be, oh gosh, let's do the math. Even when we see her at the end of Star Wars Rebels, that's what, 4 ABY? So we're only five years after that, but 
it, you know, it still feels like, you know, sort of an odd experience. I will say Rosario Dawson does just fine with it. And what we find out is that she is not willing to train Baby Yoda, whose name, whose name is actually Grogu. He actually has a name. And it does make one wonder if he was at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant before the Clone Wars, is he possibly the child of Yoda and Yaddle? This is the thing that I am wondering about right now. This is my big question. But there are a lot of questions that have been raised as a result of this episode. And we will get to them. It may just not be all in this episode that we get to them. But here we have yet another quid pro quo episode. Which gets double quid pro quo if you will. It starts with the Mandalorian and the Magistrate meeting and the Mandalorian getting offered a spear of pure Beskar in exchange for the murder of the Jedi, as Ahsoka is described. And it's interesting that Ahsoka does not hear the mention of the word Jedi and relabel herself and say, I am not a Jedi or anything like that. She does not disabuse that notion, which I kind of found fascinating. And eventually once Din finds Ahsoka in the forest or what's left of this burnt husk of a forest, they end up working out a deal where he says, if you see to it that the child is trained or can help me get the child trained, then I will help you deal with this magistrate. So again, there's another, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of situation that happens. And the way that they've done the fades and wipes in this, it's kind of funny that the Mandalorian tells Ahsoka, I didn't agree to anything. You know, she told me to kill you and give, and she'd give me a Beskar spear, but I didn't agree to it, and so now we have him making this proposition to Ahsoka, but we don't see Ahsoka agreeing to this necessarily, you know, not verbally, basically, so they go off, and who knows, she doesn't necessarily have to honor anything either, because she didn't pinky square on it or anything like that, but of course they do battle, and of course they end up defeating the bad guys, naturally, and we get the next big reveal of the season, which is Ahsoka Tano getting the best of the Magistrate and saying, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Where is your master? So saying that she reports to Thrawn and that he is her master. So whoa, whoa, and also hold the phone. So this goes back to, of course, Star Wars Rebels and the end of that show in the finale when... Ezra and Thrawn were teleported, hyperspaced out by the Pergil into parts unknown, and the epilogue, as we've discussed on the show, deals with Ahsoka and Sabine. Once the Empire has been defeated, taking off to go to see if they can find Ezra somewhere in the galaxy. Ezra is not mentioned in this episode, and so we don't know what his fate is. Obviously, the suggestion that Grand Admiral Thrawn is alive is made here because Ahsoka is still looking for him and thinks the Magistrate is still reporting to Thrawn. So Thrawn at least is out there, but it leaves open the question of what Ezra's fate is at the moment. 
And in the aftermath of everything, he gets the spear anyway, even though he doesn't think he deserved it, but, you know, he's kind of earned it one way or the other. And now he just has to find a Mandalorian covert that can melt it down <laughs> so that he can actually you know, give it back to the Mandalorians and let the Voundlings have some of it and whatnot. But Ahsoka, for deciding that she's not going to train Grogu, it does at least give the Mandalorian a clue. And so we are continuing the quest by sending the Mandalorian and the child off to a planet called Tython, which has been referenced in the comics already. It was the finale of the first se uh, series of the Dr. Aphra comics, where the uh, uh, basically Aphra says that she thinks the rebel base is on this planet Tython, which is in the core world. So it's like deep toward the center of the galaxy comparatively and gets Darth Vader to go there and the Empire is ambushed there and there's a lot of you know, crazy stuff that happens. But basically, she has him focused away from Hoth and you know we'll just leave it at that for the moment. But Tython has been mentioned and has been mentioned as being one of the planets that was early in the history of the Jedi Order and that its temple was potentially a candidate for being the very first Jedi temple. And so now we are on a pilgrimage to the ruins of this ancient Jedi temple and a seeing stone there where once Grogu sits on it, he may be able to connect out with the Force to other potential Jedi in the galaxy that may still be alive who can reach out and help with training. And so the galaxy hopping will continue with the next episode. I'm going to throw a couple of quick fast facts at you in just a moment. One about a blinking you missed Easter egg in the episode and another about a you know, behind the scenes kind of thing. But first, just a quick reminder again about feedingamerica.org. And it is really simple to just put your zip code in there and find a local food bank or food pantry where you can make a direct donation online or find out more about what they're doing doing in your community and perhaps working more directly with them, whatever you find where you can help with people having issues with food security during the holidays and during times with this pandemic where more and more schools are considering shutting down, going remote for uh, longer periods of time or even permanently in some cases for the rest of the school year. Anything that you can do to help, if you are able, would be wonderful at feedingamerica.org. And as for those last elements, when the Mandalorian is walking through the forest trying to see where Ahsoka Tano is, trying to find her, going to the coordinates that were supplied for him, he is walking through the forest, and if you look up in the trees above him, and as you know, the camera shot goes, it's behind him, and above and to the left on the screen, there is a convor, which is the owl-like creature we see manifesting around people like Ahsoka Tano. We've seen it in Star Wars Rebels. It was shown in the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's really kind of a, a mystical force flag for you there. And it's fascinating to see one in The Mandalorian. That was a really cool touch. And as far as the behind the scenes thing goes, well... 
in looking at the stunt doubles, the stunt double for Ahsoka was not who, you know, not who I wanted to flag for you. Um, her name is uh, Caitlin Deschel, I believe it is. But the stunt double for the Magistrate is Lauren Kim. And I thought that was really fascinating because Lauren Kim is the person who was used as the live reference person for Ahsoka Tano when they did that episode in the final season of The Clone Wars they released on Disney Plus earlier this year where she had the big battle with Darth Maul and so Ray Park was the live action model upon which the animated version of Darth Maul was based for that fight and Lauren Kim was the live action model for Ahsoka and so she's back for The Mandalorian but not actually doing the stunt doubling for Ahsoka doing it for this magistrate instead so that was kind of an interesting way that that unfolded but great to see her back involved with the franchise. And that is going to do it for our briefing on The Mandalorian Chapter 13, The the Jedi, and we'll be talking more about some of the details and the Pandora's boxes that have been opened as a result of the events of this episode. But for now, that is going to do it for the briefing and this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.